0: 10.3 is brought to you by Callaway. ChromeSoft isn't just another tour ball. It's the golf ball that's changing how tour balls are made. When Callaway made a low-compression, low-spin tour ball, others said they might be onto something and tried doing the same. But they can't. Because ChromeSoft is the only ball engineered with a graphene-infused dual soft-fast core for serious speed and unbelievable control around the greens. See for yourself why everyone was playing and loving ChromeSoft. Order the ball that changed the ball at callawaygolf.ca. With Canadians set to go to the polls this fall, the feds have unveiled plans detailing how they would respond to an attack on our democracy. Authorities in this country have watched the fallout from recent elections in France and the United States and say they want to avoid any similar issues here. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. We look at the details of the plan, what attacks Canada could expect, and why protecting our elections is so important. You know what else is important? Ensuring you never miss an episode of this podcast. Subscribe to us on Apple or wherever you listen. Brian Platt covers federal politics for the National Post. So, Brian, what is... The Critical Election Incident Public Protocol, other than a terrible acronym. It
1: is the government's plan to address any issues of election interference that come up during the campaign. And this is particularly important because during an election campaign, the government goes into what's called caretaker mode, which means the elected politicians are not supposed to be making major decisions for the exact reason that you don't want to ever be seen as if you're trying to use your power as a cabinet minister or as a government to sway the the election to influence voters in any way and so you can see that this is kind of a tricky a particularly tricky area because if you have one of the political parties that's facing an attack that a security agency thinks might be sourced from a foreign country or a host- some kind of hostile actor Having cabinet ministers who might be running against that political party have to decide how to deal with it is a is a problem mm-hmm. and so the idea behind this protocol is you have all these you have the system in place already and you have the instructions in place so that our public servants who are you know acting in a nonpartisan capacity know what to do and have all the uh, instructions in place to deal with an event like this.
0: So who is overseeing this protocol and, and what are they on the lookout for?
1: So there's a couple of layers here, but there's two main things that matter. One is that national security agencies, as usual, are watching for in particular, any foreign interference that might be coming in. So that would be the Communication Security Establishment, CSE, which is basically our computers, our electronic spy agency, mm-hmm. the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, the RCMP. These national security agencies are watching for for example, a hacking attack on a political party, an attack on, say, voting infrastructure, uh, malicious information being put out there to try to affect the election in any way. National security agencies are all watching for that. And that is the normal course regardless of this protocol. But what the protocol does then is it, it there's a panel that's created, uh, five people. And it is basically the most senior public servants who are responsible for national security matters. And so in this case, the five-person panel is the Privy Council Clerk, who is the most senior public servant in all of government, a very powerful position. It used to be Michael Wernick, as people may recall from the SNC-Lavalin affair, though he has stepped down, and so now it is Ian Schugart, And there is four other people on the panel are the National Security and Intelligence Advisor, the and the deputy ministers of public safety, of the Justice Department, and of global affairs. And so that panel, then, if national security agencies see uh, some kind of potential threat or foreign interference taking place, they would report to that panel and the panel would then decide on what to do.
0: You mentioned Michael Wernick. I want to kind of dial back on that a bit. The idea that you have these nonpartisan public servants. Is Great. And the Privy Council, the clerk of the Privy Council's office is a nonpartisan public servant. But if Canadians recall the issues during the Jody Wilson-Raybould affair, the clerk of the Privy Council's office seemed to have loyalties. Is that a concern for some? This
1: was cited by Michael Wernick as the reason why he decided to retire early. I think he was getting close to retirement anyway, but I don't think he was planning to retire before the election. During the SNC-Lavalin affair, his testimony made him sound like he was very much part of Team Trudeau. And whether that's fair or not, and people who watch that testimony might have different views about this, the other political parties certainly felt like Warnick had crossed a line and was too close to the elected liberal government mm-hmm. and was playing too much defense for them. These are tricky boundaries because when you're a public servant, you are carrying out the instructions of government, and you are, especially if you're in the position of the Privy Council Clerk, you're working very closely with the Prime Minister all the time. And Michael Warnick argued strongly that he had worked with conservative governments as well when he was a deputy minister, and so that he was not acting in a partisan manner. But the fact is, other political parties protested over the nature of his testimony in the SNC-Lavalin affair. And because even just that controversy itself was enough for him to feel like he was not tenable for him to stay in this position, because if there's a foreign interference attack that happens during the election, there has to be no doubt that the Privy Council clerk, who is a member of this five person panel, and the most senior member of the panel, it has to be said, mm-hmm. that the Privy Council clerk is not more sympathetic to one of the political parties than the other. There just can't, there can't even be that perception of bias. So that was the reason why w- Wernick felt like he had to step down when he did.
0: So we've gotten that squared away we we have someone else in place now hopefully there, there aren't the same concerns going forward in the event of an interference attempt or a threat against our election who's in charge of responding to these threats
1: the job of the panel here is basically to decide if this reaches the level that the that a public announcement needs to be made about it so that the canadian canadians are aware that The government has identified some kind of attack or even a very, very credible threat of one, and that Canadians as a whole are given advice on how to protect themselves and respond to whatever's happening. If you recall, all these allegations and subsequent uh, proof, really, of Russian interference in the U.S. election... There was a lot of debate within the Obama White House over whether or not to announce that anything was happening, to announce that the FBI was looking into this. The idea here is to have a proactive protocol in place so that public servants, or this panel in particular, has some kind of system to go through to decide whether to announce this publicly. And so if they decide that a threat is serious enough, they will inform Prime Minister, they'll inform all the political parties, um, they'll inform Elections Canada, but then they will make an announcement to the public. And in order for that to happen, the five-person panel has to reach a consensus that this is the right course of action. And when we were we were given a briefing about this earlier this week. What we were told is that the idea is that the threshold is very high here before you announce it to the public, because if you if you did it for every single possible threat out there, that would itself feel like it was a distraction and an interference in the election, right? You want this to only be for the most serious events that have really a a national scale threat to the election. In other words, this isn't just, you know, a smaller scale threat that's affecting one riding or something that might be a serious threat, but it's not really very credible that would actually undermine the integrity of the election. For smaller things like that, the idea is the national security agencies would deal with that in the normal course of action, which is potentially to go to whoever, if a certain candidate is being affected, to go and talk to them and to try to find out who's doing this Potentially, you know, charge them with a crime if necessary or put a stop to it, whatever. That stuff may all still happen and it would not require a public announcement that, you know, there is an attack on our electoral process.
0: You know, there was a recent example of uh, former conservative cabinet minister Tony Clement and uh, allegations of blackmail over intimate images in uh, uh, private Instagram conversations that's not the kind of thing that would necessarily meet the threshold of a public announcement, is it?
1: Probably not. I mean, there, there was a lot of questions when the officials were briefing us on this. There was a lot of questions over, well, you know, what counts here and what doesn't. And, of course, it's it's hard for them to say exactly, you know, what would count. It would have to be something that the panel felt was serious enough to justify a public announcement. In a case like that with Tony Clement, one MP that's probably not going to get to the level. They they released three criteria that the panel would consider. I'll And I'll read them out right now, which is, the first point is the degree to which the incidents undermine Canadians' ability to have a free and fair election, the potential of the incidents to undermine the credibility of the election, and the third one is the degree of confidence officials have in the intelligence or information. So, Weighing those three considerations, they decide whether a public announcement is justified here. But again, you can see it's a matter of interpretation and degree. There's not a clear line over what would get to that level. But it would have to be something that really potentially affects the integrity of the election to the point where the results might be brought under question or something, which is the last thing that we want, is to have an election. That serious doubts are raised whether the right result was achieved in the election and votes were counted fairly.
0: Now, would this have to be a foreign attack? Strictly, you mentioned like the Russian, inter- allegations of Russian interference in the US election. Um, there's talk that other foreign actors may want to get their fingers into our election. Does it have to be a foreign power or is it could it be domestic threats?
1: It does not have to be a foreign power. The priority is on guarding against foreign attacks. Um, that's spelled out in this protocol. But if there's a domestic actor who is seriously, you know, through computer hacking or through any other... uh method is undermining the integrity of the election, this protocol could also kick in to say, we believe there's an attack. This is what we know about it. And this is what Canadians should do to respond and to protect themselves. You know, they raise the the point that it's not always a clear line between foreign and domestic. It could be, say, a foreign government who is working or, you know, hackers or whatever, who are working, also working with people in Canada. It most likely would be a foreign attack based on evidence that we've seen before in the US elections and in Europe, but that's not to say that's a 100%. So the protocol covers any kind of large scale attack that could affect our election.
0: Now, what kind of things are we talking about here? Is it hacks of party databases? Is it misinformation campaigns? Like the, the idea of a threat against our election or an attack on our democracy is a very broad concept. Did the agencies involved kind of spell out what it is there we're talking about. It's
1: not like there's a sort of particular list that the attack would have to fall on. It, it is basically any kind of any kind of large scale attack that could undermine the integrity of the, of the election. So you could, but you can think of a few very obvious examples of that. Uh, in part based on what we've seen before. Attempts that are potentially from a foreign government to hack into a political party's emails or database and release that information, which is basically what seems to have happened in the US when the allegation is that Russian-based hackers hacked into the Democratic Party email accounts and released it through WikiLeaks. But there's a few other examples that were potentially raised such as deep fake videos, which is videos that appear to be somebody talking or from a legitimate source but are actually uh, totally invented and fake and that that say that's spreading through Facebook or some kind of other social media. Something like that that was having a large effect. You could see that potentially the government would feel the need to invoke this protocol. could also be something to do with blackmail, right? Where in a manner that was big enough to potentially affect the election, where political candidates had been hacked into and then were being blackmailed over whatever the hackers got. I mean, if it's just one MP and it's it doesn't seem to be a larger attempt to affect the election, maybe that wouldn't count. But these are all, again; these are all matters of degree, right? And that—that's what the panel will have to grapple with over whether this is a serious enough threat to the election that uh, an announcement is justified.
0: How do the major parties feel about the idea of threats against our election and having this protocol in place?
1: At least, based on what we've seen throughout this discussion so far, the parties are very aware of the potential threats here. Everybody's seen what has happened both in the US and in the French election there was email hacking allegations again everybody's very on guard about this and so i think the political parties have been from what from what we understand and what some of them have have said in public they are taking their own steps to try to protect their staff and their candidates from any kind of interference attempts. But no political party has the resources that our national security agencies have. And so ultimately, I think they understand that they need the government to have a system in place to help protect them. They can give all the advice in the world to their own staff and their candidates. It doesn't mean that somebody's not going to make a mistake. And it doesn't mean that they simply might be overpowered by a a very well-resourced attacker. And so I think the political parties are well aware that the government needs to take action here, but also needs to be very careful to not be seen to be taking the side of one political party over another. And this protocol seems to be the best possible way to do that. At least we haven't heard any political parties express any uh, deep concerns about it.
0: Now, it it makes sense that there would be a plan in place for how to deal with threats against our election or interference in our election. Why the need for public notification? Did they articulate that? Because I, many will recall during the US election, the director of the FBI, James Comey, came out and had a press conference where he basically said, we had to investigate uh, Hillary Clinton about emails. There was no criminal wrongdoing, but you know we just had to get that out there. And for many people, it was seen as, you know, a big blow to the democratic campaign uh, in the 2016 US election. So is there any concern about making public pronouncements about threats or the results of investigations during a campaign, even if they're non-political?
1: I think that this protocol is meant to address exactly that problem, which is there wasn't a protocol like this in place in the US during the 2016 election. James Comey has talked about this later in interviews that, you know, they were they had to kind of decide on a case by case basis what justified a public announcement and what didn't. Mm -hmm. And that is still the case here in that, you know, there's not like a very clear set of rules that say if this happens, you must announce it publicly. But it is at least a guideline, a clear guideline that is publicly available so that we understand how this is being handled within government and that it's not a total mystery why we're getting a public announcement about something. I mean, of course, the idea of a public announcement is that ultimately, if there is a serious threat to the election, the public deserves to know about it. And rather than getting all these – either it coming out through leaks or it all coming out after the election's already over – The idea is to proactively get out in front of this and say, we know this is happening. Here's what we're doing to try to stop it. And here's what we recommend you do to make sure that our election is a fair one.
0: Now, when it comes to getting information to Canadians, is there a plan like for a weekly update, there were no threats this week? Or is it just we will only hear about things in the event that the threat meets the threshold, and the panel decides that, yes, we need to put out information.
1: Yeah, exactly. That second one. We'll only hear about it if the panel decides. The the panel will be getting regular updates, briefings from the uh, security agencies, but we'll only hear about it if something meets that threshold, that high threshold, as the officials put it, that an announcement is justified. And because they don't want to do this. One of the officials during the briefing said, you know, we are hopeful that an announcement is not going to be justified. They recognize that it's very disruptive to the election if there's an announcement made that would make Canadians fear that our uh, election might not be a fair one. They do not want to have to do this. But if something rises to that level, this is what they believe is the best system to deal with it.
0: Well, you know, it it is the, the worst case scenario is that there will be a threat against our election. I guess it is comforting to know that there is a plan in place to deal with these sorts of things. Brian, thanks for your time. Thanks a lot. Like what you heard today? Get more of the National Post's award-winning journalism complimentary for 30 days at nationalpost.com slash podcast. Ten Three is produced by Carson Jarama. Thanks to my guest, Brian Platt. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.